they just don't fit anymore. But he can go to the store and get a new pair of jeans. And there's no intuition store for us, right? As technology advances, there is no way in which we can rapidly generate new intuitions. So what this means is that when we hear about self-driving cars, all of a sudden we get really nervous, even though we're certain that percentage-wise this would reduce the number of traffic accidents, it just doesn't feel right. It does not, I'm not in control. I, I, I don't like it. So what happens? Technologies get stifled a bit because they have to match our intuitions. So one of my favorite examples of this is BMW. BMW got so good at making the, cock, the cockpit silent by developing new technologies to silence all external noise that all of a sudden people started complaining that they couldn't hear the engine. The engine provides actually really good feedback for many people and they actually enjoy it, right? What used to be a side effect uh, is, is something that people now enjoy. So what BMW engineers did is they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions, to develop an audio algorithm that could generate engine noises to get pumped through the stereo that would be contingent on the conditions in which the person was driving, what gear they were and how fast they were going. And that is now in these BMWs, and, and uh, there's no way to turn it off. It is not an option to turn it off. Uh, so here's a case in which this company had to bend over backwards to accommodate an intuition that people had. What I fear is that as technology progresses and more and more good things can happen in the world, now technologies might actually give us anything from, from curing diseases to preventing diseases through genetic means, we're applying intuitions that are old. And we're making moral judgments that these are wrong and inappropriate when in fact... We can still make those judgments, but perhaps we should be using something else. What that something else is, is maybe best a uh, question best left for philosophers and ethicists. But it's something we have to consider. Okay, so those are the implications of, of, of uh, modern society and our old intuitions. Uh, and the implications seem to be for technology and for society. But is there anything that we now should conclude about the way that we study intuitions? Does this matter at all for the science of psychology? And I think that one way in which it does matter is because the normative theories that we use, that is, when we have to decide, is this decision good or is this decision bad, uh, which has been a very, very fruitful way of understanding the human mind and pioneered by, by Danny Kahneman and others, one of the ways in which we study human intuitions is we say, well, uh, let's see where people make errors. So we poke and prod people much like we use visual illusions. We, we make people, gen we, we look at when mistakes are made, and then we see the structure of the intuition. And we can say, and this is very useful and it's very beneficial, we can say, under these conditions, these intuitions misfire. And so uh, we can actually now implement policy that says, here's the way to get people to make the right decision. But now what this entails is a proper understanding of what the right decision is. In judgments under uncertainty, when we're making probabilistic judgments, there are well-developed theories about what probability judgments you ought to make under given conditions. Should you be Bayesian? Right? What information should you bring to bear on this decision? There's some controversy, but by and large, people know when you're making an error. In the field that I study of uh, uh, ethical judgment, we've ported over some of the, those same techniques, and we've used this error and bias approach to study moral judgments. And so we sometimes say... Well, under these conditions, it appears people are making errors in the moral domain. 
It's much trickier that way, though, because the normative account of ethical judgments is much less certain than the normative accounts of probabilistic judgments. That is, people still argue about this. But we can still say, well, look, we have thousands of years of philosophers who have developed normative theories of ethics that we can at least, we can at least agree in some cases it's an egregious error. Right? And so many of my colleagues and I have, have looked at human moral judgments and compared them to, ethical, to the normative theories and concluded, look, your ethical judgment misfired. As society has increased in complexity and as some of these technologies have become innovative, though, even those normative theories are failing us. So it's unclear to me what the right answer is to whether the impersonal nature of drone attacks or robots in war is a moral error, is, a, is, is a, an immoral action. I'm just not quite sure whether simply removing agency it makes it a more egregious violation. And I want to work this out. But what this means is that I can't use a proper normative standard to compare human judgment. So I think the implications here are that as we proceed and as we study human intuition, and as the background of these intuitions changes because of society and the complexity of technology is changing, we have to more and more act in concert with people who are thinking deeply about what the right answers are, and then we can start comparing our intuitions and the judgments that they generate. But it's, it's essentially, I think, a call for a bit more of the working out of the normative side before we simply start willy-nilly accusing people of committing egregious errors in judgment. Because I don't think that we know quite yet what an error in judgment is about many of these things. Thank you. I think we do know something about errors. That is, what there is, you know, take framing effects. Yes. You don't know which framing is correct, but here are two things that by some logical argument plausible should be should evoke the same response. Yeah. And they evoke different responses. Yeah. And that actually I think is the more common way yeah. in which we detect that there is a problem. And the problem is that we have intuitions and they're not consistent. So right. that you can trigger uh, that is, you have three intuitions. You have intuition A, you have intuition non-A, and then you have the intuition that yeah. they should agree. And uh, <laughs> that is that is really the, the standard problem. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And in fact, in fact, inconsistency, I think, is one way to determine uh, if a moral judgment is an error. And so one way you can do it is you can show people both conditions of the experiment. So you say, look, if they get embarrassed, they admit that they made an error, but not all of moral judgment studies are like this at all. In fact, for instance, error is a, a omission versus commission. So some researchers call this the omission bias. But now when you show people both conditions, you say, look, isn't, isn't it silly that you made this judgment that killing is worse than letting die? Don't you agree that this is an error? They don't have the framing response. They say, no, of course not, I didn't make an error. In fact, they jump up and down and say, I will make the same judgment over and over again. In those conditions is where I think we're having a little bit of problem. To build on what Danny's saying, there's some, to go back to the first part of what you said, you know, there's a book by Everett Rogers, I don't know if you ever read this book, Diffusion of Innovation. No, he's got, is it? It's, it's a good book, and he's got a couple chapters in there on what he calls congruence. He basically reviews a huge literature on how innovations are adopted or not. And he's full of interesting stories. One story is very relevant to what you're saying. So um, it's about Indian farmers adopting tractors. So tractors as a substitute for bullocks that would pull. 
And it's interesting because people who studied this noted that after the farmers had adopted tractors, every night they would go to the tractor and put a blanket over the tractor. <laughs> Great for bullets. But actually a little less than good for tractors, but at best neutral. And that is actually a theme that appears again and again in the diffusion of innovations, that people adopt or fail to adopt technologies and use them in a way that's congruent with the intuitions they developed in prior technologies that they've had. But there's also, I think, a way out of it, which is related to this notion of you have multiple intuitions. One way you can get adoption or use of a technology is to actually just find an intuition mm -hmm. for which this technology is congruent. So oftentimes when you see this misadoption, it's simply not that it's incompatible with all the intuitions you have, it's incompatible with an intuition, but it can easily be framed. So think of Facebook as X, or think don't think of the Google guy gives all this, you know, that algorithm right. as a creepy dude, think of it as, and then all of a sudden it becomes totally understandable, people use it quite well. So I wonder to what extent moral and, and sort of intuition, social intuitions are also fertile enough and different enough and inconsistent enough. The inconsistency is now a good thing. Because now, as a framer, you're, you're, you have more things to choose from. Right. I think that's very insightful. And I think, in fact, that's the way that, that that's this, a solution out of this, which is, okay, let's, let's get another intuition going. I think as uh, Josh Nob and I were talking about earlier, you know, one of the, one of the features of these, some of these reactions that we have is that um, it's not just that, they, that Google knows information about me. It's the social, the social delivery. It, it seems to match the features of other forms of social delivery, that when a friend informs you, hey, by the way, you, know, you, got, uh, you have an appointment, right? Um, and it's those that seem to get the intuition going. Uh, but it's not, for instance, if my car is smart and it measures the miles that I use and then it says, you know, hey, it looks like when you're driving in the city you use this much, maybe. That's great. I don't feel that violated. Um, but that's not a social issue. And so, uh, so one way maybe that we, we can work on solving this problem is, is quieting the, the social cues that might actually get an inconsistent uh, intuition. Or just to, just to build on it, just an example could be, imagine that the app was exclusively <coughs> bad early on so that you could see it learning right. mm -hmm. in a way that's a situation where it might be more palatable to you. Because you're like, oh, now I can see the process by which it's learning, and I'm actually growing close. I'm just, there's just some yeah. examples how you might want to. Yeah. You know. And in fact, actually, if you could involve the individual as an exactly. agent, exactly. even with a placebo, like, you know, the elevator buttons that are right. placebo buttons? <laughs> if you could make it so that I just had to just remind me to touch this button so that Google now really knows, but it actually does nothing. I would actually feel a bit more involved, and so I would feel like it, I, they didn't just surprise me with this, like someone creeping in your window. At <laughs> yeah. But it seems like the McClure studies in science like go directly against kind of some of the things you're saying, where people were willing to accept unfair offers in the ultimatum game from machines, and they weren't willing mm -hmm. to accept them fr yeah. or reject them from humans, even though the humans were also machine generated. Mm -hmm. So it's just the face that changed. Oh, the way they made the decision. So it, it might be that willi humans are willing to accept computers as competent or even be compassionate toward them as objects, but they're not willing to accept that they have actually moral domains. Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. That's a good point. Wait, just a super quick thing about that. Mm -hmm. So, so it, one of the really interesting points David was making was that it somehow has to do with the packaging of what, what you're doing. And mm -hmm. there was an interesting follow-up on the study Jennifer was mentioning, in which... It's just exactly the same study, except for instead of saying it's just a computer, they said it's a computer with a special artificial intelligence algorithm. <laughs> and then 
in that condition, people would lose money to punish the computer. <laughs> they would, so when the computer screws them over, they'd be like, I'm going to sacrifice for myself to harm them. Right. So, so sort of ramping up That's of the social cues. Awesome. Yeah, and I think maybe one mistake that we make is, well, let's make our robots more social. Right? And when in reality, a terminal might just be exactly what we want. Right? Uh, many, many years ago, Omar Khayyam Moore at Yale, uh, early pioneer in computer-aided instruction, uh, really went on the warpath against phony anthropomorphization of programs. And in those days, it was, you typed your name and then it said, well, Johnny. <laughs> and he said, get rid of all of that. Get rid of that. Because you're, you're squandering one of the great things about computers. Namely, you're, you're in the privacy of your own room. There isn't anybody looking over your shoulder. There isn't any other agent in the picture. Now, it seems to me that we could, uh, there's more positive steps uh, as, as, as recommended by O.K. Moore that might be worth considering. Since when people adopt the intentional stance, they invariably overinterpret. They always are charitable. They always interpret more understanding than is there. I mean, that's just clear. But it might be good if we deliberately built in self-exposing weaknesses and foibles mm -hmm. so that when you start using a new app or something, uh, you, are you are taken through some things that it screws up on. It can't do this, it can't do that, it can't do that, so that you sort of unmask the thing before people start over-interpreting over it. Mm -hmm. Might be a good right, idea. Yeah, that's actually um, Dan, you're cutting into your... <laughs> you're on to your own time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you.